Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Dystopia Tonight. I'm your host, John Poveromo. we got a great show for you today. Um, my usual uh, counterpart, Cthulhu Skunjil, uh, is, a, uh, is on a special assignment uh, guiding Rush Limbaugh through the gates of hell, showing him around. So I'm just going to reintroduce our guests. We have um, Joe Travers, Grammy Award winner and drummer for the Motels, Duran Duran, and Zappa, and also the Zappa Vaultmeister uh, on today. And we also have Brian Brodeur, the uh, president of East Main Media on. Uh, so guys, bring them out. That'd be great. Let's get them out here. Hey, Brian, what's going on? Joe, how are yeah. you? Hey, hey. How's it awesome. Going? What's going on, guys? How you doing, Brian? Snowbound. I'm in the home office tonight, not the studio. Yeah, I, is it cold there? You got a scarf on and everything? and uh, You know, I just like to run it like 110 degrees. Yeah, I, <laughs> I noticed. I was like, where is he that he doesn't? I'm like, am I? Is this my fate? Am I going to be out of power? And plus, I got the memo. Like, I'm supposed to be very Euro, right? This is like my Euro yeah. getup. It looks like you're backpacking. What was the uncle's name in the Fraggle Rock show? That's what I kind of get. That's the vibe I'm getting from you, Uncle Nat. I'll be Uncle Nat. Call me Uncle Nat tonight. That'll be fine. I, that's fine by me. <laughs> Whatever you want. How you doing, Joe? I'm good, man. I, you know, I, I'm doing a lot better than some right now. Jeez, what's going on in Texas is nightmare city. Wow. Seriously. Holy crap. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. And Ted yeah. Cruz, peace the fuck out. Went to on Cancun. Yeah. 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 Which I was thinking about, like where Chris Christie would go, and I'm pretty sure he would just fly to like a Krispy Kreme or a Nathan's. So we wouldn't really be. <laughs> that much better off i feel <laughs> shaky's pizza <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly he just calls an uber we're like uh he's missing but it's fine where are where are you from where are you joe are you allowed to undisclose uh, location or I'm, I'm in los angeles california oh god uh, you're killing you know, me beautiful day today so yeah i can't complain at all rubbing it in <laughs> that's fucking brutal i just i just got so sad <laughs> I was like, oh, handless. Okay. I'm like, you're breaking up, Joe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're losing you. Thanks for coming. 75 degrees <laughs> and sunny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's so weird. His camera cut out early. As soon as he said 75. Uh, that's awesome. No, it's cool, man. Uh, I've known Brian for a little bit now, and uh, he, he was talking you up last time. We got to, because we're both, I'm a Zappa fan, and I know Brian is also. A Zappa fan. I didn't know. Brian told me I didn't know that you built his uh, his home studio, the studio that he had. Uh, well, Brian was super, super, unbelievably helpful in 2006, uh, building our standard definition uh, video rig, and also he had so much to do with making the um, video accompaniment uh, a reality for the first few Zappa play Zappa tours. You know, we were playing along with Frank on the wow. video screen and uh you know brian was like the godsend there he was he was he was so great and um yeah and he also you know worked on some dvd projects with the trust and uh yeah i mean brian's a great 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 person that's so cool so 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 grateful for his uh expertise in his fields <laughs> i do like how you phrased it like brian was super useful in 2006 but ever since yeah. uh it's been <laughs> Yeah, we moved on. No, just kidding. Take the garbage out. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's fucking awesome, dude. 
yeah the honor to to have been involved in that that joe thank you but so great yeah and truly an honor wow that's incredible and when did you get so so can you talk i mean i'm sure you talked about this before too but can you just for our viewers just talk a little bit about how you became involved with the trust me yes yes well i got uh i got the gig playing drums with dweezil and ahmed's band z mm-hmm. in 1993 and by 1995 i was the vaultmeister uh basically just from being such an incredible fanboy of frank zappa <laughs> and knowing so much about the stuff that was in the vault right and uh nobody else around that actually did you know so um the word got back to gail zappa that nice. uh who was frank's wife and the person mm-hmm. in charge of the trust that uh Basically, it's they said, you know, Dweezil and Ahmed's drummer knows more about what's inside the vault than any of us or you. Wow. <laughs> and she said, great. He's the vaultmeister. And that's, oh, that's how it happened. That's fucking fantastic. Is there like, does it, so is there anything that you're not allowed to, because I know that like, I've heard about other like vaults and stuff like that. People that have that kind of shit. Like I know there's like, as far as Prince goes, there's just stuff that we'll, we're never going to hear. We're never going to get to see. Is there stuff that you know about that the rest of us will never fucking touch? Well, I mean, <laughs> like that's the that was the main question. Like I'm like I like that's what drives me crazy because you're the one dude <laughs> who yeah. who knows every and the rest of us are just fucking left out, you know, in the you sea. Know, like I mean, I mean, it's always been. First of all, there's not really that many like personal things in there that would like like nobody should see. You know, it's, it, I don't want anyone to ever get that um, impression, but. You know, one of the things uh, that we always try to make sure whenever we're doing projects from the vault is that we're doing Frank justice and we're doing the legacy right. justice. So we don't really want to just release subpar performances because we know how much of a stickler Frank was for that kind of thing. And so we have to really uh, draw draw a fine line between something that we know has value historically and that the fans will love, but we don't want to also just release something uh, that is subpar and make it look like we're just trying to get the massive cash grab because that's really not that's really not uh, how we operate. We know we're always really trying to keep the quality of everything up high and and uh, and that kind of stuff. So we always take that in consideration. Yeah, because there's that there's that uh, and I don't, I mean it's all over the internet anyway. Or there's a, you know, but there's that Frank Zappa Hendrix thing, and I feel like if anybody's got to know because they say they can't find it, but you look like a guy who knows where shit is. Well, you know, Amit's very adamant on on uh, the fact that there is something in the vault that he's been told is in there. Uh, you know, I've been doing this since 1995, and I've yet to find it. I sure would love to. Okay. Uh, and, if, and so, you know, and also, too, like, I just wish that, um, you know, when, when 1967, Frank was doing a residency at a place called the Garrick Theater in New York. In, right. uh, in the village and um you know F- hendrix jammed with them at the garrick but nothing was recorded at the garrick and that's really abnormal considering frank really made a point of recording everything so mm-hmm. it's crazy to me to think that he didn't document any of that stuff at the garrick theater i just don't know why but um yeah could you imagine finding that gold mine garrick yeah. theater tapes with hendrix sitting in i mean oh my lord yeah, well, I'm picturing a very Indiana Jones kind of like wooden crate file system you guys have. <laughs> I mean, if you need someone to help look around, Brian and I will go digging. I don't mind. You know, I got nothing to do during quarantine. We'll wear masks. I'll get a COVID test. 
<laughs> Look, there's Helsinki. <laughs> yep. There's yep. shit we didn't even know about back there. So true. You know, uh, Joe was kind enough to to show me the vault in the former uh, Zappa compound in the Hollywood Hills because now it's nice. moved, right, Joe? Yes. And uh, in, in my time helping Joe with the video rig, he showed me around the vault. And I have to relate this because, you know, look, admittedly, Joe, this is your gig, right? And you're in there like, yeah, we're in the vault and I'm just losing my mind. And it's <laughs> shelf after shelf. If you check out the classic albums DVD and, and they go with you, Joe, through the vault, but the most interesting thing was was Joe, you know, would have a thought like, wait, you know, there's that tape. Oh, Brian, come here. And you'd go down the the, the hall or down the stack of tapes and go up and go, oh, yeah. So here's here's a really early like Studio Z thing. Wait, now let's go over here. And then there's all these 24 track tapes of, you know, the European tour from 76 or something. Right. Right. Just mind boggling the amount and depth of stuff that was in there. Yeah, that's absolutely. incredible. And Brian, what's the like most valuable thing you stole when you were there? I'm just kidding. Oh, you oh. know, uh, <laughs> who could who could count it? You know, tour program, signed pictures, Joe's underwear. <laughs> we drag the, the truth out on this show. You're the one that stole the John Lennon uh, encore tape from the Fillmore 71. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's missing. Yeah, it's in Little Falls, New Jersey now. Under that's so great. Yeah, there's just footage of that uh, crossfire appearance from 86 that no one's ever seen where they're all getting high and smashed and really talking about incest. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Imagine imagine, uh, um, the feeling that I had when I was, you know, in deemed the vault meister and, uh, you know, given the key to the vault and I walk in there by myself for the first time ever, just standing there and no computer skills. Uh, a, a, a tablet and a marker. Wow. Holy <laughs> shit. I mean, talk about on the job training. And I also didn't know how to run like most of the tape machines and, you know, deal with the actual tape. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like, it's so important because the tapes, uh, if you don't know what you're doing, you can ruin them forever. Right. Right. So the amount of pressure was insanity. I just couldn't, you know, couldn't believe it, but I really rose to the occasion. <laughs> we also up, encourage people patting themselves on the back on this show it's good yeah. to get uh, it's good to get those feelings out there well about the pressure and stuff that you felt though was there anything like other than potentially ruining shit was there anything you felt particularly particularly like pressured to get out there like when you felt like how do you even because i i can't even imagine starting to go through my own shit you know what i mean over the years i've been in stand-up for 15 years and like to go through tapes that I have to get out or videos like you're in charge of somebody else's entire fucking life. Where did you even begin to start? Did it, did somebody give you a direction or were you literally just like, huh? (laughs) Like, I guess uh, this way. Yeah. As a fan, there were certain periods of Frank's career that are rarer than others. In other words, like nobody has ever really heard certain recordings from certain tours. Mm-hmm. And so those were the things that I wanted to, to, to listen to first, like try to go to first. And then right. the amount of, you know, pictures and articles and things like that. I mean, it just was like, it was an, und- it was it's a, a, amazing amounts of stuff. And there was no way I was just going to like sit in one afternoon and start rifling through the shit. I mean, right. it took years and years. So yeah. that's crazy. You know. yeah. It ma- makes me feel like, I mean, 
you know, my generation is so fucked just because vaults and stuff like, like at least you've got tangible documents. Like, could you imagine having to go through 18,000 photos of some rock star's dick? Like in the future, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I don't know where that picture of him and McCartney is, but I've got every angle of his ball sack. Just it's brutal. Like, <laughs> well, well, look at the deal with Frank. You know, he was limited by the mediums, right? He yeah. could only shoot so much film. He could only, you know, a reel of Ampex tape only went so long. Now we've right. got unlimited hard drives and you're exactly yeah. right. How many uh, crotch shots are we going to uncover in, you know, uh, Ryan Reynolds vault? So, yeah, yeah, or Bieber's. I mean, you know, or Bieber's, of course. That yeah. poor whoever gets the job of being that poor bastard's vault meister. Jesus Christ! Oh, <laughs> I can't even imagine. Is it's, there uh, a, so, so when Brian, when you were down there, with like, did you like how eager were you to just run off? <laughs> it was like, overwhelming. Like it was. It, it's like when you go into like the New York Public Library, right? And you're just mm -hmm. like, holy crap! How much stuff is in here? You know, like so. I even if I wanted to rip something off, I would know what to do. It's just right. like reels upon reels upon boxes, and wow. and again, Joe's like, "Wait a second, I know where this is," and he walks over and touches. This is you know so and so. What the hell, man? You know, that's so crazy. Cool. We have a question from one of our uh, viewers. Can you pop that back up there, Tom? Uh, have you ever talked with uh, Ainsley Dunbar? I have. Yes, I did meet Ainsley a number of times. Um... And he was, you know, he was he was totally cool uh, at the time that I met him. Also, uh, I got a chance to play. This is a crazy story. Um, we were doing a benefit for a famous drummer uh, that um, I kind of befriended near the very end of his life, right when I had first moved to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And uh, his name was Mark Craney. And um, so we were doing a benefit for him at, at, at Guitar Center in Hollywood. And on the bill was Mike Keneally and Beer for Dolphins, who I was playing with at the time, and uh, Eric Burden and the Animals that Ainsley was playing with at the time. Wow. And so when I got to do uh, the Mike Keneally set, Ainsley uh, was kind enough to let me play on his drums, which was like, oh, God. Holy shit. Imagine? I was just like, holy shit. I'm <laughs> Ainsley's kit, you know. And uh, But, you know, it was great. It was cool. Um, I haven't talked to Ainsley in, in, since then, though, and that was many years ago. So, um, mm. yeah, I know he recently just did a, a Modern Drummer interview because we released a box set uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Mothers of Invention lineup from 1970, which he was in. Nice. And so uh, it kind of um, stirred up interest about that time period in that group. And so, um, yeah, it was interesting. That's awesome. That's a cool release. That mother's 1970. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Rare stuff on there. Yeah. Joe, was that you've been you on fire. You know, you put with the, the Halloween stuff you put out, you and I were talking about it, that earlier in the year. Yeah. There's been a lot of good stuff coming out. Yeah. We've been doing a lot of box sets, you know, uh, it's just been like box sets are really, uh, seem to do well for everybody. I mean, there's mm. a lot of catalog artists, that do box sets you know i mean miles davis there's like nine million box sets that he's done you know and elvis presley i mean if you think about the, the actual catalog artists you know some of the iconic ones of our of our time frank definitely falls in that category so and there's so much content that we could do so the box sets are are definitely a thing did i feel like did quarantine fuck you guys up at all did it slow it down or is it is it really just kind of an insular kind of work anyway so it, it doesn't matter it 
it didn't slow us down, but it did slow down the like the production, like like vinyl, you know, okay. like vinyl production and how long it's been taking to get things done through the pipeline. Mm-hmm. That's been a little bit delayed. But um, as far as like the trust being not busy, that's that's <laughs> we're definitely busy. Yeah, we're lining, we're lining up stuff all the time. And like, so this is another. And I don't know if this is there's there was one trailer I saw for a, a Zappa documentary but I don't know if it's official in like 2020. Is that the official one that you guys? Are you talking about the Alex winter documentary? Yes. Yes. That did is, you? Uh, yes. That was six years in the making. And, okay. And it is official. We're very excited about it. It's doing really well. It's nice. Just getting, it's just getting ready to start having um, distribution over in Europe. Awesome. So it's like just starting to make it over there, but we've had it available since um, uh, Thanksgiving of last, last year. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it took a long time for that thing to become a reality. And, uh, but I, it's, we're really happy with the way that turned out. That's what I like, thought because I had read about it, like that it was going to be a thing. And then it seemed to like not, it seemed to take a long time to come out. Was it because of like how it was great, by the way? But like, it was well, it because of like, was it like a, uh, like just something you guys really wanted to get right and like just fucking took that long or was it just going through all that stuff to yeah it was a process because the first part of it was to raise the money to save the assets in the vault and the stuff that's the most threatened in the vault was the film right film if a film isn't put in proper storage it will die and if the tapes die if the audio tapes die we we there's a process to get it back to life if you can believe that which is wonderful but with holy shit yeah, but with film, once it's gone, it's gone. It right. won't come back no matter what you do. So um, that was our first uh, kind of like major thing was to try and uh, uh, direct the funds to get the film preserved, as much of the film preserved as possible. And then by doing so, we identified a lot of stuff. And so once you have all that stuff at your at your fingertips, you know, then <laughs> the the job of trying to <laughs> you know <laughs> make something out of it you know uh right I, I tell you the editor mike nichols who worked on that film did an amazing job with alex and and you know there was things that you know there was so much stuff in the film there was it, yeah there was just so much and there's oh, a lot man. of stuff that didn't make the film too so you know it's it's uh, well that's what I, that's leading into my next question too because it was like i felt like there was stuff that even I saw that wasn't really in, like there was stuff that didn't make it in that you wanted to make in, like, or are you going to make a whole other film? Cause I feel like you can. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, we've always said that we could do the Ken Burns mini series. You know, just like... <laughs> <laughs> yep. That'd be great. Yeah. Big shout out to Joe in that documentary playing the black page with Ruth Underwood. Yes. Yeah. What a really cool segment where, Oh man, it's so beautiful. Yeah, she's, really good. She is uh, a, an extremely special person, and I've been so blessed to be able to have a a good relationship with her over the years. And um, and the fact that we got to do that together is like you know, it's like one of those once in a lifetime things. You know, where I, was that at her house? Yeah, it was at her house. Yeah. Wow, wow, man. Yeah, yeah. Joe on drums, her on piano, yeah. and yeah, just. And- just beautiful man and the drum set that i'm playing on was hers 
And wow. It's, oh, I figured it was yours. No, oh, it's hers. Wow. And it was the same drum set that's in the movie 200 Motels, which is 50 years old this year. Holy shit. Yeah. Frank played that kit. Ringo Starr played that Holy kit. Holy fuck. Ains- Ainsley wow, and Ruth. And now me. <laughs> God that's damn it. amazing. Wow. It's insane. Was it how, how easy? Did that come about pretty easily? Or did you have to like finagle it? Like to get her to do it? No, she was she was she was into it. That's awesome. Yeah. She loves that piece and that piano arrangement that she does is so beautiful. And uh, we had yeah. released a version of her doing the Black Page on piano uh, for the mm. 40th anniversary of an album called Zappa in New York. Oh wow! And, uh, those particular concerts at the Palladium in New York City was the last time that Ruth actually played with Frank live. And wow. so um, for her to get the opportunity to release a modern recording of her doing it on piano was like, I couldn't pass that up. Had to make oh, it shit. happen, you know, had to make it happen. So, cool. and so, so Alex was interested in having that happen in the film. And I said, yeah, that'd be so great. You know, <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Um, so one of the, there's, there's a couple things. I, I don't know how heavily, like, did you work like, uh, did you get a chance to like go through all of his like, um, like his segments on Crossroads, like when I first discovered Frank Zappa, like I knew his music when I was in high school and stuff, but there was, um, you know, when YouTube and stuff was coming up or whatever, uh, we're still having that same debate about lyrics and music. And uh, that Crossfire interview got me when I was a kid, like almost immediately, because one, obviously like his music's fucking awesome and I was getting into that. But two, it was nice to see some, like an artist at, at just kind of like, laying it down back then do you know what led him to kind of speak out at that point are you, are you uh well about the the censorship stuff in particular yeah because it wasn't like you know he didn't have to in my opinion i don't think he had to do any of that kind of shit it looked like he volunteered to kind of be the the guy well, who went out there and talked about really it passionate about it because censorship i mean he is like somebody that dealt with censorship his entire career mm-hmm. Yeah, And he, you know, always had lawsuits uh, against record companies because he was a he was a pioneer in that, you know, he wanted to be able to have artist rights in, and, mm-hmm. you know, copyright laws and intellectual properties. And that family, especially Gail, was like, you know, like in the front lines for defending an artist's rights. And so mm-hmm. Frank was like the guy who uh, was like opening the doors to making sure that future uh, future uh, artists of our time will have their rights, you know, and that the record right. companies are going to rake them over the coals. And so um, when it came to, uh, you know, some wives of senators having their way and trying to force legislation on censoring stuff that, you know, in, in Frank's opinion was like not going to be harmful for you. Right. You know, then, and he didn't want anybody telling him what to do with his uh, art so immediately he uh was one of the first people to to step up and be like are you guys out of your minds like you know and um and then it just kind of it just kind of uh snowballed you know he was he literally did really devote a lot of his time to fighting that fight yeah and it's amazing how much of it is still fucking relevant today too especially with comedians of what we're you know the same stuff it's it's insane ah right yeah. Right. And Frank had the legal battles in England, right? Prior to the yeah. PMRC stuff. And and he was fighting, you know, all of that. Yeah. Right. And he was friends with Lenny Bruce and he saw what Lenny Bruce was going through back in 1965 and 66. Right. So I mean it's it's been going on forever. And yeah, it just made sense that he would be the one. 
<laughs> yeah, and it struck. It always struck. It, it always made. It was, it was interesting to me that he labeled himself. And I, again, you can help me out with this part too, because I I feel like it must have just been different at that time period or whatever. But he labels himself conservative, but nothing he talks about is remotely conservative. Isn't that like in that '86 interview in Crossfire? Like he like he tell he was talking to the I can't remember who the guy was. He was set up against. You know what I mean? They always pit you with some fucking politician who's like never heard. You know, my boy Lollipop is like the last song they heard that was relevant. You know, <laughs> like, they're like, yes. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, they uh, like he, you know, he was going up against him or whatever. And um, he, he said, you know, I'm, I know you're going to be surprised to hear me say it. And I know you're not going to like it, but I'm a cons- I consider myself a conservative. Do you think that that's would have shifted over time or what do you think? Like, I'm just curious. I don't know. It's hard to say. Um in the real Frank Zappa book, you know, he really kind of dives deep into into those whole that whole thing. And um, you know, he was on Crossfire a number of times, wasn't he? Yeah. And I would just remember the one uh that they took an excerpt from in the in the new Zappa film where he was up against like three people on the panel and he was yes. just like kiss my ass, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's so the good. one I think yeah you know, it's pretty unbelievable it's got- they were really going for the throat on there and um you know hey I, it, you have to thank frank so much for being the guy yeah exactly the guy. i have a clip of it it's the only thing i can play i'm not technically allowed to play any music uh-huh. <laughs> which is what i wanted to do but i we can get booted from the channel but i can totally play if you guys don't mind i'll play a clip from the uh yeah, do it. can't you do like 30 seconds or something of music you know you the twitch rules are so weird man like you can't show nipple on twitch but somebody showed a dick one time like i don't know <laughs> like <laughs> I don't understand what the rules are. Tom will Tom will come back in and tell you. He'll talk to you about it. He knows. But yeah, let me uh, let me see if I can get this working up here. Um, it'll be on in two 1986. seconds. Yeah. Nineteen eighty six, man. Yeah. What, what not? What would what would you propose, Mister Lofton, as the uh, the means of uh, of censorship? Well, I said I agree with Mr. Zappa that the first line of defense and responsibility is the parents. But what I do not agree with is that the parents have to stand alone, and we are not entitled to call upon our government to help us in the fight well, against now, this kind of filth. What government censor is going to decide for you? It's not. Tom, I've heard you say repeatedly on this show that we are our government, that we're allowed to call on our government. Well, you have to have a man who is the censor or a woman. Well, the way it would they work. have to decide this Tom. often can hear and this That's often right. cannot hear. Tom, it would work the way the uh, implementation of any law works. You pass a law, it has words in it, and then the uh, elected representatives of the people try their best to apply it. It's the way you do it with everything else. Will they apply it perfectly? No. But we're entitled to use the force of our civil government uh to help protect our families how could you oppose that does like the government the, have any purpose frank yeah it has what? a number of purposes what is it? i'm more. not going to give you a civics lesson here but yeah. i one thing we must not see eye to eye <laughs> on the idea of a government that must forbid things in order to really protect what is families. the government's role you've told me several times how what about it national, do. how about national defense yeah i consider this thing. national defense pal our families are under attack from people like you with these lyrics john you don't have to buy them <laughs> 
Giuseppe, well, can I, I make a statement sure. about national defense? Yeah. The biggest threat to America today is not communism. It's moving America toward a fascist theocracy. And everything that's happened during the Reagan administration is steering us right down that pipe. Oh, Mr. Mr. Zappa, do you, yes, do you, Mr. Zappa, do you really think? <laughs> I mean, I all, really kidding, think that. all kidding aside, in this country, with the permissiveness that we are moving toward a fascist theocracy, anything you goes. We are, but, you know, do, you, what, do you think things like this would have ever been for Smile again. When we when we were 20, 20, when we were kids, you're about my age, maybe I'm a little 45. younger. Well, I'm 55. Do you think when, when I was a kid that they would permit songs like that to be sold? I mean, permissiveness is the game. I mean, well, exactly. I mean, you're not you're not really serious if, if you're saying we're going toward a fascist theocracy. <laughs> That's right, we are. Wait a minute. And what? No. Wait, give me, give me well, one example. Wait, 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 wait. Well, one, example, one example of a fascist theocracy. When you have a government that prefers a certain moral code mm -hmm. derived from a certain religion and that moral code turns into legislation to suit one certain religious point of view and if that code right. happens to be very very right wing almost toward well, the till the hun well then you are an anarchist every form of civil government so that i mean I, that was i just he doesn't he doesn't let up at all like that is one of my favorite uh uh things is that he just fucking hands it to them like on to like he doesn't he doesn't back down he has an answer for everything and which is why again like that was kind of weird like you know he he calls out reagan he calls out religion he's just bold as fuck. that's again when you're a high school kid and you're thinking that same thing and you see somebody whose music you appreciate fighting the good fight you're like i can do that <laughs> and in a suit right with his right? shorter hair two years prior to his last tour wow holy shit yeah, it was just it was just incredible. I mean that, and that's the one that's in the doc. That there's a clip of that particular one in the documentary, right? Yes. Yeah, because all three of those fucking idiots, like, and there's even supposed to be that's the whole point of Crossfire. It's supposed to be one, you know, people on each side, and he had them all going pissed off. It was it was beautiful. Unbelievable. Yeah, Novak really handing it to him, Mister Zappa. Yeah. Mister, <laughs> he's like, that's right, Mister Zappa. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so good. let me tell you, you dirty hippie, you know. <laughs> Right, exactly, and he looks just as clear. It's I, I love that. I love the uh, the 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 guy in a suit who's anybody that's wearing a suit and cursing. That's like my favorite thing because it just looks like you're not supposed to do anything like that. I always like wearing a suit and cursing. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> nice. It's like a big like. Oh, this looks like a presentable young man. Nope. <laughs> not for that nope. pandemic care, Poveromo. No, I know. This is. I keep telling people this all the time, but this is so like women know I'm okay to fuck after this is all over. They're going to be like, oh, like he hasn't taken care of himself at all, except he just hasn't been out in public. You're <laughs> like, going yeah, no, for the bearded Richard Lewis, like we talked about in our last interview. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to be doing the whole, Lewis. like, oh my God. My mother fell in love with a goose on the interstate. I'm not kidding. Um, you know, this goose was following my mother. I love that. That's an actual bit. I don't know the whole thing, but that is one of my favorite Richard Lewis jokes. Um <laughs> Somewhere between Virginia Beach and you know, <laughs> oh, Virginia Beach, and then he, yeah. Oh, so hey, are you know, you guys, I, so, oh, go ahead. I wanted to give Joe some uh, some music shout out, you know, because Please. it's easy to talk Zappa all night, but yeah, the dude can play some drums. The <laughs> dude can play some drums, and uh, you know, Joe, uh, tell John about your your youtube channel because you started up a, a cool youtube channel with lots of drumming on it and that's really cool 
Yeah, you know, it it had been a it it had been a while coming because I mean I'm not one to really uh, do much online. Like I'm not a Facebook person. I I you know I was never a MySpace person or I don't do any social media hardly at all. But yeah, I tried to find you and I couldn't. Yeah, I'm not, I have never really had much of a social media presence ever. But I did last year when uh, when the coronavirus hit. I just started thinking about. You know, there's a lot of stuff of me out there, but it's not things that I control. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like fan, fan shot videos of me, you know, playing drums with Joe Satriani or, you know, whoever these, you know, the whoever I was touring with at the time. And it's cool, but I just wanted to be able to like when if I ever did something like this with you, John, I wanted to be like if people said, can you direct me to something online? You know, and I was like, yes, now I actually have <laughs> a, a compilation, <laughs> a compilation of, of things that, you know, comes from my own library that, that I make available. And um, I've been, you know, kind of motivated to share some stories and, and do some things and then dip into my, you know, little vault that I have and pull out some past performances and past things, you know, uh, that I've done in my lifetime. You know, I've played with some pretty, pretty uh i've had some really fun experiences in my career and it's nice to be able to have some documents of that and share it out there you know yeah and where can we go to find that kind of stuff yeah what's that channel um, it's called uh jt media oh jesus i can't even remember what the hell i called it (laughs) (laughs) and we'll take a short break yeah yeah yeah. Uh, (laughs) no 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 it's it's jt media content that's what it is. JT oh, sweet. Media content. That's on YouTube? My channel. Yeah, it's on YouTube. And you can find like some drum solos and some original stuff and some performances. Nice. Like, I've got some things with Duran Duran and Lisa Loeb and a Z clip and oh, um, nice. You know, some things. I'll be, I'll be doing more. I'll be if doing you, more. am I allowed to ask you who your favorite, like what, what are your favorite couple memories to tour with? And are you allowed to say anybody but Zappa or no? Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, well, are you obligated by the vault to? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I mean, I really had some amazing times with Duran Duran. Uh, you know, the, the nice. two years that I spent with them was I got to live out my rock star fantasies in a pretty big way. Being with Duran Duran, that was really fun. That's you know, it was awesome. like at the perfect time in my life too, because I still had hair and I was thinner, <laughs> and uh, you know, and uh, I was in my early thirties and things were, you know, going really well. I actually was able to multitask and be the vaultmeister for Gail and she would allow me to go out and, and play with Duran Duran. So that was like a total you know, blessing right there. So there was some great times. I got to see the world, obviously I've got to travel Mm -hmm. a lot with, with them. And, um, and uh, so that was really fun and playing with Joe Satriani in 2018 was really, uh, was really beautiful too, because he's, you know, obviously a, a guitar legend and uh, my some of my, my two best friends, uh, Brian Beller and and uh, Mike Keneally were in the band. So to be in a band with yeah. your best friends and play great music and travel the world and get to play, uh, you know, to uh, packed houses and to, with an audience that really, you know, you can tell it's always great to play with an artist where they have a built in following that really love what you do, you know, because right. uh, that like with Duran Duran, it was like, yeah. The girls were screaming so loud, uh, it hurt my ears. Did the girls hurt anything else while you were on the road? Uh oh. Uh, I had some good times. I had some good times. <laughs> That's the appropriate response when you're on yeah. a lot. I had some there were some moments of joy. Yes. Uh that's awesome. Somebody, somebody had asked big, uh, what years, what years were you? With yeah, Duran that's Duran. Jack Frisch, man. Big shout oh. out to the Jack Frisch. 
you know, bud, but very close buddy of mine. He's there. He oh, is. Sweet. All right, Jack. Hey. Yeah, it was 1999 to 2001, and the album that we um, supported uh, in 2000 was uh, Pop Trash, which came out on Hollywood Records for a moment. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was the last, basically it was the last two years that uh, Warren Cucurullo was involved with Duran Duran before they decided to do a reunion with the original members. Wow. So uh, after Japan 2001, we were all out of a gig. So connect those dots, right? Warren to Zappa, right? And Warren writes uh, the big tune, right? What is it? Beautiful world. What is that? Ordinary world. Ordinary world. Yeah. Connect those dots. That's a crazy thing. Well, what's the way that it worked for me was, is that my very first show, my very first professional gig as a, as a, you know, brand new drummer in town was, was in um, May of uh 1993 with dweezil and ahmet and frank zappa actually came to the gig and and it was one of the last times that he ever went out in public and he sat in the vip booth with gail and warren cucurulo and thomas nordeg and warren that was the first time he ever saw me play and thomas said you should have joe play for your solo stuff because duran duran working with them is so uh was so frustrating for warren because he would be writing music, but it would take so long for Simon to write lyrics. And so it would take years to get an album project happening. And so with the off time, Warren just wanted to play. So the next thing I know, I got called, said, would you be interested in? And of course I said, yes. And I was flying to London and playing with Warren Cucurullo in a trio format doing, um, or, uh, doing original uh, instrumental guitar music with him. And that was really great. And then, of course, in 1997, uh, John Taylor left Duran Duran and the bass player that we were playing with, Wes Waymiller, got called to take his place. And then to uh, in 99, I got called uh, to take the drummer's place because the drummer, Mr. Steve Alexander, uh, was uh, had a scheduling conflict. He was got called to play with Jeff Beck, right? So he goes oh, yeah. to play with Jeff Beck, and now they need a drummer, and I got the call, and it was just like, oh, my God, this is happening. This is happening, John. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, hungry like the wolf, Joe. (laughs) Fuck. I know. It's crazy how that shit just, it just, you know, one thing leads to another, as they say. Right. And it goes all the way back to Baby Snakes, right? Where Warren's backstage with Frank, you know, and and looking for the gig. (laughs) It's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, Warren Warren fell in love with Frank Zappa and, and ended up getting the gig. And then wow. he only stayed with Frank Zappa for one tour and then left Frank and formed the band Missing Persons with Terry right. Bozio, Patrick O'Hearn, and Dale Bozio. And, of course, you know, what a career. And uh, Warren stayed with them until 1986. The band dissolved. And then he joined Duran Duran and stayed with them until 2001. And then that, you know, it was just like, you know, Warren is uh, another one of those musical genius types. <laughs> That's Damn. Sure. An ordinary yeah. world moves some units, right? That sold a couple yeah. copies. Yeah, the wedding album. You remember that album, John? The wedding album. Yeah. Yeah. The, there was uh, the song "Come Undone." I had that it. One too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that that brought them right back into the limelight again. You know, that was like a huge, huge album for them. Wow, that's incredible. And you, somebody gave us a thumbs up. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask any questions? Hey. <laughs> did you ever perform Duran Duran's song "When You Come Undone"? I love yes, that tune. Yes, we sure did. Yeah, nice. I love that song too. 
yeah, I'll tell you one of my favorite. I'll tell you one of my favorite uh, memories of playing with Duran Duran was when we were playing the Beacon Theater in New York. Brian, I don't know if you were there, but um, nope. Uh, um, <laughs> Niall Rogers came out and played and sat in with us and and played uh, Notorious, which he produced. And yeah, stuff. And oh my God, was that incredible because literally the entire sound of the band changed in an instant when he started playing guitar. It, it was, I, I, I felt it in my body like, right. because that guy just is funk. I mean, he mm. just resonates funk. And the moment that he started playing, it was just like, Holy shit. Like it just, it was, you know, and I'm drumming and I'm like, yes, <laughs> that was a good time. Is yeah. that, I feel like that is every drummer. Like anytime I've been to a concert, dude, drummers are having a fucking blast. And, I, and what you just did there where you were like, like, is that what's going through every drummer's head? Which is like, this is fucking off. Like yeah. every drummer, every time it pans, like sometimes like, you know, the, the basses, the leads, everybody's doing their own thing. And then it cuts to the drummer and he's just fucking losing his shit. Like it's amazing. Like, it just seems like you guys are having the best time. When you're in a, a band, Mm -hmm. and you're playing music that you really love and you're playing with musicians that you really love and admire yeah. there's like really no better feeling i don't think you know wow. honestly I, yeah I mean, and i've been pretty fortunate to be in those kinds of positions um a multi multiple times in my career there's also been times where i'm like playing music that i'm not enjoying or playing with people that i'm like hating and that, that is so funny either because let's talk about the hate who yeah, do you um my problem is my problem is is that i'm so uh i have such a hard time not showing my uh, not not being the fake guy behind the drums like like if yeah. i'm having a bad night or if i'm really pissed off about something you can totally tell right. <laughs> i'm not the guy that puts on the fake smile and like everythinging's great you know yeah <laughs> I've, never, I've never been like that so I'm the same fucking way. I, I've seen myself on the. Sometimes I'll go on a show or whatever, and I'm. I'll. I'll be looking at myself in the thing like, "You suck, dude. You are not. <laughs> you have no game face. You hate everyone in this room. <laughs> You're hoping for a power outage and a fucking windstorm to knock some shit over. Like anything. Like yeah. knocking over the green screen, whatever it takes. Yes. Yeah, I fucking hear you, man. That's so. Wait, you also toured with the motels too, right? Yeah, I did play with them uh, a, a few gigs. Yeah, um, was that it was fun? She, I, I love their music. You know, I love their uh, like their first three, four records. And um, yeah, I had a chance to meet uh, Martha because Duran Duran was on. We played a show with them. We were on the okay. same bill. And so when they were playing, I was standing backstage. And when they came off, I had a chance to talk with her a little bit and stuff. And then. Lo and behold, my turn came to get the call to play with them because literally there was a there was a time period uh, where the motels were going through musicians like left and right. There was they were just going through so many different musicians in Los Angeles, you know, like so many different drummers and whatever. And, mm -hmm. and I got the call and uh, she remembered meeting me, you know, when I was with Duran and stuff. So that was cool. So I had a chance to uh, do some do some stuff with her and um, I didn't last long. <laughs> but, <laughs> but is it, was it fun, fun while it lasted did it did something happen no uh, nile rogers you know, that's what i mean like <laughs> no 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 that's what i mean when i say like they were going through musicians left and right like oh, okay just, like they were just like just you know just going through them well that know, like I mean, the way you're kind of describing it. So is there any awkwardness in like when another band like so you were with Duran Duran and then you went over to the motels? 
Uh, yeah. How do yep. you tell the cooler, you know, band that you're leaving? You know what I mean? <laughs> how does that? How does that kind of work? Like, well, do you? Is it just like, hey guys, I'm gonna drum over here now, or like, how does that work? In that case, I uh, I was let go by Duran Duran, so I was available. So those it was, sons it was no of bitches. Problem. Yeah. Um. <laughs> the, only time, the only time really that you run into those situations is if like, you know, if Martha was to come to me and say, hey, I've got a four month tour that I want you to go on. And then if I say mm. yes, and then, you know, Berlin calls and Terry Nunn says, hey, I want you to do a couple of gigs. And I'm like, oh, man, I just, you know, I just <laughs> said I can't do, you know, what, you know, so that that's only when that happens. But, you know, most of the time when you're a freelance drummer, you have a pretty good um, knack of juggling. <laughs> right. Juggling all this stuff. So, yeah, because yeah, it seems like you went like it, there was a nice smooth transition, um, unless it's just your storytelling. But like, you know, <laughs> you're like, I'm leaving out a lot, actually. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> but no, that's actually cool. Like, it just seems like it's it's kind of like an understood thing in the business that like, yeah, no freelance drummers. You get to bounce around, do shit with different bands and have fun. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, there are times, though, when you will play for someone and they'll take it as a threat if you decide that you want to go and you know, play with someone right. else like wow. Marilyn Manson, Marilyn Manson, for instance, if you're in his band, uh, you know, he really doesn't want you to go and play with uh, anybody else. So tell okay. Brian, Greg Nesky is Greg. Oh, yeah. Nice. Gee. Awesome. Nice. And Patty and I went to the hotels in Berlin shows. Nice. Wow. Berlin's Patty, fucking awesome too. Patty. I love Berlin. I yeah, love me too. Harry Nunn is so cool, man. She's just the coolest. How long did you play with Berlin? I did one show. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Tell us more about that, though. Yeah, uh, <laughs> again, it's one of those things where you know you're you're you know they're making their way through the musicians in town, and uh, I got the call to do a gig, and I didn't have that much rehearsal. I had to mm. learn like eighteen songs and you know for one show. When you learn eighteen songs at once, it's yeah, like, it all turns into like one song. You know, it's just so much stuff to remember. But um, yeah, we just did a small club gig down at the beach, and um, and it was fun. But uh, I I didn't get the call back after that was over with. Berlin, did you play no more words when you were with Berlin? Uh, the song, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Okay, so that is one of those songs that like I love it so much, and I love songs like that because it has like fifty different sounds going on in the background. You know what I mean? Like it's just uh, all like for years, like when I was younger, or whatever. Like I would be like glued to songs like that are those songs kind of fun to play or do you find them annoying <laughs> when you're on stage and there's too much shit going on no i like it i like okay berlin. cool I like, yeah i like berlin's music i had fun playing yeah it. me I, too i used to listen to it in the 80s you know the first album uh yeah i was totally listening to it recreationally so to get the chance to actually play with her you know did you know that she is in a movie called um Thank God it's Friday. You familiar with that movie? No. Wow. It's a movie that came out in the mid seventies by Casablanca Records, which was Kiss's label at the time. Oh and my they God! Did a disco movie. Donna Summers in it, and uh, Jeff Goldblum's in it, and oh, Terry fuck. Nunn is in it. It's unbelievable. She's so freaking adorable. Check it out. It's hilarious. I will. Thank God Not it's the Friday. Best movie in the world, but uh, but you know it's a <laughs> sign of the times. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Uh, is there anybody that you wanted to play with that you didn't really get the opportunity to that you like regret or did you there were two uh, mm. I remember uh, I wanted to be Nine Inch, Nine Inch Nails' drummer at one point I auditioned uh, I okay. auditioned uh, through a videotape I sent a videotape in and uh, 
and Jerome Dillon, I think that's his name. Yeah, he got the gig. Uh, you would have killed that, that man. Yeah, that, that you would have killed that. It, but I mean, you know, Trent would have been hard to work for. He's a tough one. But it would have been mm. at one point in my life, in my career, I was ready to deal with whatever that gig was <laughs> going to give you. You know, a lot of stuff to deal with there. But I was ready for it. So I wanted to do that. And then I'd also at one point I wanted to play with Shell Crow because I, I like her music and she is just a great singer. And she was yeah. on top of the world there for a while. And. I was thinking like how nice it would be to uh, to play with someone that successful, you know, and cool. uh, with cool music. But, um, you know, other than that, I think now that I'm playing Frank's music with Frank's band, which is uh, what's happening now. Yeah. I, yeah. Talk I'm about that bizarre. To... Yeah. Yeah. The, the alumni thing. Right. Yeah, please. Yeah. yeah oh, we're man. Called the, Zappa, the Zappa band. And we were scheduled, John, to play with mm -hmm. uh, King Crimson for six weeks last summer. Oh fuck! And that, that would have so been awesome. a really, yeah, that would have been a really fun uh, opportunity. But unfortunately, because of COVID, it got it got. Yeah. So, do you think it, it's not gone though? Is you'll be able to do it when you get when we get to back to we're hoping, normal? We're hoping so. Yeah. Cool. So, have you by any chance had a chance to check out uh, Robert Fripp and his wife on YouTube? They have a channel and they're they're posting videos called like Sunday brunch. No, I didn't even know that. That's fucking oh my awesome, God, dude. It's. It's so yeah. awesome she is so fucking great i love her so much and oh she's my like, god she's like this you know woman in her uh i don't know late 50s early 60s yeah. looks amazing beautiful and like and, and they're playing songs together like um inner sandman and nirvana songs and stuff oh my god and she's like on you know in this one <laughs> she's like you know he's sitting there with a, a les paul just you know gleaming because he loves her so much and she's so adorable and she's on like a treadmill with no bra <laughs> just hot as fuck and like totally singing <laughs> singing her ass off i mean oh. you have to see this stuff it's so yeah. great they are so adorable <laughs> i'll totally fucking check it out man i wish I'd, i would have played a clip i wish i knew that was going yes. on <laughs> see that's what's so i mean look the pandemic sucks for a lot of reasons but the fact that all these guys like you've got your channel all these mus musicians and stuff like that are putting out shit. It's all, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like being around like a campfire and everybody's kind of doing their shit. Yeah. It's the uh, new normal now. It's the new it normal. is. It totally is. And it also, it's, uh, you know, it's for free. So, <laughs> like, right. you know, I get to see these concerts while sitting on my ass and my, I mean, you know, I'd rather be out doing a thing, but yeah. you know, getting, get almost like getting an invite into these people's homes. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I know that what's going to start happening and there's already talk of it now is um, and I don't uh -oh. know, Brian, what's going to be happening in the city. But here in Los Angeles, um, they're talking about reopening some of the live music venues and only booking half capacity. Yeah. And this is like what they're thinking of, you know, possibly start doing in May. Right. But mm -hmm. I mean, it's like how much of a bummer is that? You know, like you get hired to play a gig and you get there and you, that's like, remember when you were in your band and you played to a room that's half filled, how much of a bummer that was? You know, it's like the energy's yeah. not there. There's like too many. There's not enough people to get a vibe yeah. going. And that's what yeah. it's going to be like, you know, for yep. a while is like they're not going to let in enough people to make it dangerous. So literally <laughs> you're going to be like, wow, I'm playing to a half filled place again. This sucks. Smattering yeah. of applause. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, trust me, as a comedian, we know what that's like. Yeah. When I was starting out, man, it's the same thing. You do four to five people, and now they want us to go back out, risk our own lives. <laughs> There's these venues that I that still get. I got offered to go to, I think, um, 
somewhere in Virginia about a couple weeks ago. And this guy was trying to sell me on the fucking idea that, hey, listen, it's, a, it's just a one off. Well, it's a one off and it's five hours away from me. And he's like, well, you can crash with friends. And I'm like, no one wants my grimy ass <laughs> after, after stopping at rest stops, you know, being around other people in a place that's not COVID or, you know, like it's, it's insane. And it, you're right. It's going to, it's going to be kind of a bummer to do that kind of shit. It is. I mean, that's, that's what it's, it's good. It's how, that's how it's going to start. I think is, it's going to yeah. be like that for a little while. Ugh. You guys got to come to, um, what's the, I'm, I'm blanking on the fucking name of this, which is so embarrassing. What's the Asbury thing, Brian, that they, that they started to do a year or so ago. The, the big festival. Uh, you know, the Asbury not, Park, you, uh, the film festival or the music festival. No, the music festival. Oh, the one, the one that, that Danny like a... Clinch has been doing, right? The yeah, see Danny's here, doing. Right? See here now. They call it See Here Now, yeah. and it was it. Yeah. I mean, it, I, we haven't had anything like that down here, not that I can recall anyway, and for ever. But it it was a fucking hit the first time around, and then the second time before last year, before they had to cancel shit for COVID, had some great bands coming into play. So you guys should totally do that too. That be when we can, you know. But it's like outdoors. It's a beachy kind of area. It's very got very nineties kind of vibe to it too. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really hoping that once things kind of get to somewhat normal, uh, that the Zappa band will continue to generate some opportunities to play and we'll, you know, kind of pick up where we left off because we were just just getting ready to start doing some stuff, you know. We had done some yeah. local local shows in LA and uh, and that was really fun and 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 we were getting ready to do, like I said, those six weeks and god damn wow. it. You know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Who's in that band, Joe? What's the lineup? It's Mike Keneally and Scott Tunis on bass and yeah. uh, Robert Martin on keyboards and vocals, Ray White and myself and Jamie Kime on guitar. Jamie uh, was wow. uh, the uh, additional guitar player in Zappa Play Zappa for their first like eight years or something like that. So yeah. he's part of the fam. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's fun to play that music with those guys. Yeah. And listen, shout out to Keneally too, John. I don't know if you're hip to Mike Keneally, but damn, that uh, I mean, Mike is insane. And Joe's, you know, drumming and and playing with Mike and and Brian Beller as a trio with Beer for Dolphins, mind blowing. Like the stuff these guys do. That's awesome. I mean, those are some of the best gigs I've ever been to in my Man. life. Yeah, I, I have. I mean, as soon, oh, no, I know as soon as we can go back out and do shit again. It's going to be like, I feel like the energy of people wanting to be out. It's just going to fuck. It's not, it's going to be bigger than anything else we're all doing. It's going to be great because there is no, I'm like, like people really will never, ever want. How am I supposed to say this? People will never <laughs> not, never not appreciate live entertainment. Yeah. It's going to love it. You know, there is just something about there's people that just love to go and see shows yep. you know, all the time. And so, um, thank God for that. Thank God because the musicians, it's like you know, gotta right. gotta play. <laughs> gotta play. And somebody, uh, Tom, can we get Justin's comment back up? I don't. Justin's one of a um, uh, the people on our network as a whole, and he's uh, toured the world. He's an opera singer, fantastic musician, uh, and he said he's got his first gig back in April at fifty percent capacity. There you go. <laughs> he gave a shrug, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, you know, musicians are going to be like, okay. You know, we need to work. We need to make money and all that stuff. So I'm sure that everyone's like, you know, ready to work. I, I get it. Yeah. But for me, it's like, oh, you know, I, I get so much of a uh, a buzz from the energy of the people. So if the people aren't there, you know, it's hard to get a vibe. But, you know, we'll start slow. Yeah. 
Definitely. Just be careful. You know, that's the thing. My friends, uh, my friends, I've got musicians all over the place and a couple of them are like, you know, they'll get to it. A couple of them told me they would get to a gig where they like finally got themselves, you know, the courage to go out and kind of do shit. <laughs> they would get there and like half the staff would be wearing masks and they'd have to be like, whip and like turn right back around and fucking bail. They're like, I, I can't, you know, I, I don't want, they don't want to ruin their voices. That's the thing too, is like, they're like, you know, it's doubly serious for them because you know, if this shit attacks the lungs the way they say it does, they're fucked. I know, I know, I know. I saw uh, Jack Frisch is asking who some of my favorite jazz drummers are. Ooh. So Jack Frisch, friend of Lenny White and many others. Yeah. Of who? Oh, nice. Who? Lenny who? Oh, Jack Frisch. Like, it's uh, sorry, it's side sidebar, but never mind. But go go ahead, Joe. <laughs> uh, um, so I, I guess when I discovered jazz, I mean, Buddy Rich was like the very first, of course, mm -hmm. but, um, Roy Haynes was a big deal for me when I discovered him. There's an album called Now He Sings, Now He Sobs by Chick Corea, who I oh, can't man. believe is not here anymore. Oh my God. Wait, you Crazy. played with Chick, right? You did I those did. gigs with, I did. I oh, you got to talk about that. Oh man. Please. Well, you know, we were so fortunate, Zappa Play Zappa, to play a double bill with Return to Forever for a small amount of time. We did a small tour together in 2009, I believe. Jesus. And, um, you know, Chick, Chick is like one of my musical heroes. His music changed me as a musician. When I got to Berklee College of Music in 1988, yeah, I was maybe. a long-haired rock and roller baby i wanted to be in david lee ross band when greg Bizonette was ready to, to to boot i was ready i was like right there behind him you know enough I of that get joe out of the cafeteria no more of those gigs down there yeah that was what i was into but but when i heard you know i got exposed to such great stuff while i was at the at the college and um and chick's music was just like holy shit like the the chicory electric band specifically was really really something that changed me and so of course i got i went down the rabbit hole i mean i just learned so much i mean you know miles davis thelonious monk keith jarrett you know then the list goes on and on and on and uh and uh, john coltrane and mm -hmm. just uh, there's a ton of jazz people so roy haynes was like one of the first that like i was like woo, i dig that and i love as far as like a a, a jazz drummer of the now i think that um oh my gosh uh um, my brain isn't working. Who is a John Schofield's drummer, Brian? Uh, the one that plays it with Steve Swallow. He's a New York uh, guy. He's been doing it forever. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God, I can't remember his name. Son of a bitch. Bill. Hang on. Bill. Come uh, on, help me. <laughs> oh, Bill Stewart. Bill yes, Stewart. thank you. Oh, nice. I would love to say that I knew that, but I Googled it. I love him so much. Awesome. I can't remember his name. Great player. No, he's just he's just like uh, he's just sick. Like I, I I'll take him over anybody that's doing it now. And there's some great guys mm. doing it now, like Brian Blade and oh, uh, and Blade. the guy uh, Mark Juliana. Like these, you know, um, uh, Mark King. There's all these great guys that are the now. But uh, I think Bill is just like <laughs> he's like <laughs> he's like doing something that is uh, really super special. Honestly. So, I'm ashamed you know. to say I know nothing about jazz. I know I like I have jazz albums. I have people that stuff that people recommend me. I like it. I don't know enough about it. And I'm but I'm loving this because now I'm like memori trying to memorize names as you're saying it. Oh yeah. Dude, no, I mean just put you know, some I, chick on. Yeah, man. Oh. There's some there's some beautiful, beautiful things to discover in that world. I mean, yeah. it can get very 
you know, it can get a little super overwhelming, right? If you don't even really mm-hmm. know what's happening, it's just like right. this sounds like shit to me, right? But yeah. but the but the uh, the the merge of rock and roll and jazz in the early uh, late sixties and early seventies, you know, the fusion stuff mm-hmm. like Tony Williams' Lifetime or uh, oh. Famous Electric Period or Mahavishnu or even Frank Zappa in the early seventies, mm-hmm. um, right? That stuff is like. That stuff is is uh, has changed music culture forever and for the good too. You know, it was inevitable that electric instruments were going to make their way into into that stuff at some point. So yeah, there's some great shit to find. Uh, Justin wants to know: Do you know Justin Faulkner, young guy playing with Branford? I do not. Wow. I do not. But oh. I did go to school with Branford's brother, Delphiel. Oh shit! Delphiel Trombone Marcella. player. Yeah. Oh we, fuck! I remember him walking up and down the the dorm we lived right next down the hall from each other <laughs> it's so crazy and roy hargrove was going to school at the time that i was there and um yeah and a fame and abe laboreal abe jr was yeah there mm. at the same time i was at berkeley abe laboreal john ended up uh having quite a career he's obviously been with, with paul mccartney for like the last 12 years as his yeah daughter. Too bad. Dude, that sucks. I was going to bring game. that guy up because he – that's – when I was saying that drummers look like they're having a blast, my – my so before, um, uh, you know, COVID hit or whatever, my mom's birthday is in August, and she's a huge Beatles fan, huge Paul McCartney fan. So we had this thing where, like, on her birthday, Paul McCartney would usually be touring. So I'd get tickets, and we'd go see McCartney together, which is just a phenomenal time. You know what I mean? It, you can't go wrong with that. But that – I loved when they panned to him because – that's another dude who's just having a fucking blast yeah. doing his job. It's incredible because he's such a sweet person. Anyway, <laughs> he comes he comes from such a beautiful place. I mean, yeah, his father, his father, his is, father. Yeah, you know, amazing, right? Amazing. Yeah, and, and you can tell that that those are just good people. They're yeah. just good people. Uh, and uh, and when you're playing with Paul McCartney, I mean, come on, it doesn't. Yeah, get any, it really doesn't get any better. And so he's living the life, and he's showing it. <laughs> Yes, he is. And that's the craziest thing is like, I think the last time I saw him, he was uh, 74 on stage, two hour show, 74 years old, holding up guitars, telling jokes, jumping from the pad. I do like an hour show as a stand up, and I'm like, am I done for the week? Or are we good? Like, <laughs> I'm like yes. not good anymore. Like, am I getting the money and getting out of here or what? I know, uh, I so know. It's, it's fucking impressive. But I mean, it must like when you're on stage with that kind of energy and playing music, all comics want to be musicians uh at heart because we just (laughs) it's you can't go wrong with you know like i was saying like you said like when like other uh you know uh musicians will come up on stage if they're out of the like i was at a um uh i I saw bare naked ladies and hootie uh recently by the way i know that sounds like a (laughs) but they were they were at madison square garden and mike mills i was in the vip section and mike we were sitting next to mike mills and i was like i think that's mike mills and then he actually went up and played with them, which is fucking awesome. Comedians can't like if our lights not on, right. <laughs> like somebody else walks on stage, like the fuck's your problem, buddy? You know what I mean? We're not right. <laughs> tag teaming jokes. Uh, right. <laughs> it's yeah. like a tell, you take one. It doesn't right. happen. Take the punchline, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it's also assuming anybody else knows your shitty act, you know. <laughs> but like musicians, it just seems like it's a blast to do that kind of stuff. It is. Yeah, it can be. And 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 when Chick Corea sat in with us with Zappa Play Zappa, I mean, I was just like I was like I I I, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't wow. believe that he even wanted to do it and that he would do it. And it was just awesome. 
Yeah. Joe, I was at the uh, MSG, the Jimmies. Remember that? Uh, yes. You, play, you played there and uh, with Zappa plays and Chick came on and played, I think sat in on Sheila's or, or you know, sat in on the keyboards and then played some percussion. Yes. And he walked right by me and when I was like, holy crap, you know, that was <laughs> well, and he's gone and we and he's gone now. I know. Gone. I know. Well, that's going to be um, coming up on my YouTube channel because I actually have the sound check filmed. My 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 girlfriend at the time had a single cam high eight and she filmed chicks solo from from his oh. angle. And I am just like I was I remember when we were flying back from New York to LA and I was sitting with her on the plane and I had the high eight camera out and I was watching it on the little tiny window there. And I was watching it back. I was seriously tearing up. Cause I was like, yeah. Oh my God, I just fucking played with chick. Like I can't even yeah. believe it. Wow. And uh, so, so I'm going to put that up. I'm, I'm definitely going to put that up. Yep. It's, it's, and he's one of those dudes. God, he was one of those dudes. Just smile ear to ear, beaming happiness. Like when he was he playing was so nice to us, you know, these people, I mean, certain members of Return to Forever were not nice to us. I will just come out <laughs> and say that right now. But but Chick was unbelievable. He was so sweet. He would come into the dressing room and just bullshit with us. And, you know, wow. like, he was like showing our keyboard player how to do certain lines. And he was just so generous and so sweet. He complimented me on my drumming. And I actually, oh when God. we were in San Francisco, I made it. <laughs> I, mean, I I was like, you guys, I'll be back. And I left and I went to Amoeba Records down at uh, Haight-Ashbury. And, mm -hmm. I, and I went shopping and I bought a, a Chick Corea CD so that I could have him sign it. Oh, that's <laughs> that awesome. <night. laughs> that's fucking sick. But what disc, though? What, well, you got to tell us what disc it was. Do you know? It was I bought Inner Space. Inner Space is a compilation of his first recordings, um, Tones for Jones Bones, and a session yeah. that he did for Hubert Laws. Nice. And, um, and so he signed it on the front for me and and wow. uh he said yeah these are like these are my first recordings i said i know i know <laughs> <laughs> sign it, damn it. God damn it, sign that's it, so cool is yeah. it weird so like is that like a thing too because like it, for comedians like we're not when i was younger when i was starting out doing stand-up or whatever we were explicitly told not to approach anybody slightly more famous than you or super famous <laughs> even if you're working with them like you're not allowed to you know like whatever and I bought it when I was younger and I was pissed because like, what were they going to do? End my career after two? Nobody knows who the fuck I was. You know what I mean? But like, I worked with some awesome people. We don't know how to do it. Is it the same in the music industry? Cause that, that's awesome that you just ran and bought a CD and had him sign it. Like, and didn't feel trepidatious about it at all. Like there were yeah, guys I, I worked with that I'll never see again that I really wish I had been like, Hey, like, <laughs> can, I, well, I mean, can I get a hug? If they're not standoffish. You know, like, if yeah, they're not, like if they're if they're assholes, then obviously you're gonna right. Just, you're not even going to go there. That's but because cool. he was so approachable and he made himself so available to us. I, right. I had to do it. I just had that's to do fucking it, awesome. Know? Yeah. And then there's so many stories, you know, you hear about guys or, or just people who get the opportunity to meet their heroes and it always bums them out. Right. It's not what you expect, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of that, of course, and you have to just obviously take your chances. But, you know, for right. the most part, most of the people that I've had an opportunity to to meet that I wanted to meet have always been pretty, pretty same. Good, pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. the best. Yeah. Um, and do you I have another question? I know I feel bad. Like if you guys want to hang, let me know. But it's been an hour. I don't want to keep anybody longer than I told I was going to keep no them. Problem. But. I got a couple more questions. So, like, what was there when you were again when you were younger and you were starting out? Was there a venue? Because Brian just mentioned MSG, which is obviously probably somewhat intimidating. But what there's like, was there like a particular venue where you felt intimidated by, or was it always just like I'm having a blast, I'm fucking drumming, you know? And 
you know, you get in that headspace. That's funny. Um, you know, one of the places that um, I always wanted to play that I uh, never really had the chance to play in my career until 2018 was mm -hmm. the uh, Hammersmith Odeon in London, right? Oh, wow. Which is now called the Apollo. In, I think it's called the Apollo in Hammersmith or something. Hammersmith yeah. Apollo. I can't remember. But anyway, that place is filled with rock history. I mean, mm -hmm. so many amazing live records were recorded there. Bands like Mata Hoople and Queen and The Tubes and Ted Nugent and Van Halen. I mean, name it. They all, every time they would come to London, that's right. the that they would play. Zappa played there many times. And so I was so excited to walk out on that stage that afternoon just to just be standing there before the sound check and be like, oh, my God, this place. The history <laughs> in here, you know, the history. It's like one yeah. of those places that are still around because a lot of those classic places outside of like maybe Madison Square Garden or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. just like, I don't even think they're around anymore. Like they're gone. Right. You know, it's just weird. So um, that place <laughs> was still there and it was just great. <laughs> so that was fun. I, I That's awesome. remember that. Yeah, that was with Joe Satriani in 2018. I got a chance to play there. Okay. So that was definitely like the biggest place you were excited about. Was there a smaller space that you were like pumped about doing a smaller space you know um the marquee club in london the okay marquee club in london where you know bowie played there he mm -hmm. recorded that um, television special like it was on midnight special back in yeah or whatever midnight he recorded specials. there um a lot of people who i mean so many people have played the marquee you know mm -hmm. it's just kind of funny that the first places that i think of when you ask me this question is places in london that's weird but uh, yeah, yeah. I know. I was like, oh, wow. you ever played yeah. the bottom it in. line in New York? Do you ever play the bottom line? I never played the bottom line. Wow. Nope. And, yeah. and, and I, I played Irving Square in New York. Is that a place? Irving Place. Irving, Irving Plaza. Irving, Irving Plaza. Plaza. I played okay. there and uh, we did the little theater. I've never played Madison Square Garden. We played, uh, I never played the Ritz before the Ritz closed. And that mm -hmm. was a great place in the 80s. Um, uh, but um, I love the Beacon Theater in new york oh, that's yeah. just a, it's just a great place to to play it's just great that's a beautiful theater you, yeah you did yeah. royal albert hall right in i did oh yeah see another place in london <laughs> that'd be hilarious if you were like fuck that place no. yeah, no. <laughs> that's another historical place absolutely because yeah. frank played there in 1967 on his very first tour and um and we actually incorporated the the royal albert hall pipe organ in our mm. set just like frank did with the mothers wow. in 67 and I have videotape of all this shit. It's crazy. I just, you know, I had my camera rolling for a lot of stuff. Uh, in fact, one of the, the drum solo that I played that night is on my YouTube channel. And Robert Plant was in the audience. So I was, he was there. Holy shit. I know. He was there. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, the, the classic films of, of Led Zeppelin in 1970 at the Royal Opera. Do Hall. I quote Moby Dick or not? Wait, Moby yes. Dick. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I remember too another another thing, John. I'll ne I'll never forget was when Alice no. Cooper. Alice Cooper. I'm wearing a shirt now, but uh, Alice Cooper was one of my like is one of my you know first and first ones that I obsessed over. I just loved him, and um, right. he came he came to see us in Phoenix, <laughs> and um, Justin. and I was quoting Alice Cooper drum licks all over the place in the show. All over nice. The place. So obvious that I was <laughs> Alice Cooper ripoffs and, and like all these different things. And so when I got to meet Alice Cooper for the second time, I asked him, I was like, did you catch that I was doing all that stuff? And he was like, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> he noticed him. How, how couldn't he? I was being so obvious. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fucking <laughs> sick, fun. man. 
Yeah. Yeah. Was, was that so? What was you? So you had people in the audience that you obviously knew were there. Was there anybody that you didn't know and you were like, fuck, like, no, like that you missed out on? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A good question. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. How could you possibly know who is in the audience at all times? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I remember, um, I remember Trent Reznor coming to see Duran Duran in New Orleans, and we knew that he was there. Okay. And uh, I would have rather thought that he wasn't, because I was, like, thinking so hard, you know, <laughs> that night. He never came backstage to say hi to us because he was pissed off because we didn't play um, one of his favorite songs. <laughs> oh, what was it? <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, what's the... Uh, don't, oh, Save a Prayer. We save a Prayer. Save That's a, a great ballad. One. Of course, Trent Reznor like, didn't get the ballad. Yeah! <laughs> Yeah, he's like, you guys didn't play Save a Prayer? I'm out of here. So moody. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No weird chip floop samples. I'm out of here. Yeah. Yes. That's very particular, but I love that. That's hilarious. I, I'm I'm deep with the Duran, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my first albums I got. I went on a uh um it was my first time flying on a I don't like I went to go visit like by myself. I was like 12, I think. And um, my parents shipped me out to Arizona to see my family or whatever. So I, I go out there, but I got to go to a record store, like a C and I just grabbed a bunch of CDs and it was like Duran Duran guns and roses. Um, just, a, I got, I got this like giant eighties mix too. I got a bunch of crap like that, but I had the, uh, Duran, my first, one of my first albums was Duran Duran. So I used to play that all the time is their greatest hits. That's awesome. Journey. I got some journey in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I had a I auditioned for Steve Perry. Oh no Can way! You believe that. I, Holy I actually, shit! Yeah, it it happened a few years ago. He was, you know, he just released an album like a couple years ago, and he was possibly going to actually play live again. I can't believe it. No and, way. Um, yeah, I could. I was, you know, but it was so great to just go in there and play some of those songs with him. Yeah. Even though he ended, he, I ended up not getting the gig, but um, just just the opportunity to play the three or four songs that we had the opportunity to do was enough for me. I was just like, okay, <laughs> I just, yeah, that, you know, and he that's was so cool. Sherry. He was super nice. Oh, yeah. Sherry. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that stuff. He was Who's cool. on that I mean, recording. Who's the drummer on that track? Do you know, Jack? that's Larry London. Ah, uh, makes sense. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. It's good. Yes. Track. Ballads fucking rock. Justin yeah, said. They do. They do rock. That's what made yeah. me think. Of, I was like, oh, yeah, my first album was also a Journey album, too. Ballads. The um, chauffeur. Like, the I the chauffeur. Wait, what like was that last question? I like that. I like that comment a lot. Yeah, check yeah, that out. Yes, who is this person? He's got better name drops than guests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had, we did this, we did this, uh, like 90 hour. Uh, those were my high school concerts, Journey Duran Duran Rio. Dude, Ario fucking Speedwagon gets so much shit. I love that band though, man. I know I, I said that on a I said that on some comedy podcast or whatever, and I was like, Ario Speedwagon. They were like, why? And I was like, fuck you. Yeah. They tore, you know what's weird? I do associate Ario Speedwagon with um uh sticks a lot because every time they were pair, I don't know if they had the same agency or what the deal was with that, but like when I was younger, man, it, they were always on like double albums. It was like you got Sticks and Ario Speedwagon, and then I think they toured together too. So I don't know what the deal was with that, but in my head, like all that music plays back to back to me. Yeah, I love Sticks. I absolutely yeah, me too. Sticks. I mean, I love everything up until oh, nice. Probably, uh, I mean, Cornerstone was, was <laughs> the like, way it started. It started started to hurt a little bit, you know, mm. like Paradise Theater and Cornerstone. It, it, it they were starting to sell no. out a little bit for me. 
But <laughs> Jack everything. Fresh with the Michael McDonald comment. Oh my god! No, Michael Mc. No. <laughs> every album, every album from the very first one up until probably uh... Roboto. No, yeah. I can't. I can't do Kilroy was here. Can't do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't do it. Makes me light sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> Hope everybody gets that joke. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it's weird that Sticks and Journey almost have. Uh, a like a similar story with their lead singers, they both abandon them like too sweet. Oh, right, like almost. Except the only difference is like Steve Perry made that fucking like. There's no journey without him. Like that's such a signature voice. But they were like, now nah, we're good. But Steve Perry <laughs> did not produce Liza Minnelli, so watch out. <laughs> oh, yes, there's the dividing line. I think. Yeah, right. you're right. I met Tommy Shaw once. He was very cool. That's awesome. Good he seems player, like a cool dude. Right? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Was, he's cool. I mean, he he joined the band in '76 uh, for the album uh, "Crystal Ball," which is a fucking great record. It is. So yeah. So when I talked to him, I was like, "Dude, what are the oldest songs that you're doing?" Because I wanted to know like, yeah. all the early stuff. Like, how early are you guys going with 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 the recent repertoire? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Sings cool. his ass off too. Oh yeah, he's cool. Absolutely. Did you watch the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when they did the Journey thing or whatever? And like Steve Perry got up and literally made everybody cry. Like uh, they, <laughs> like you know, everybody got to deliver their stuff, and they weren't sure if Perry was going to show up or whatever. And then uh, uh, he did, and he was he didn't sing with them. The new guy did, and he fucking psyched him out by the way because he sucked oh. uh, when he went he went up there to do his thing. But um, you know, everybody kind of got up and gave their little speeches or whatever, and none of them really mentioned Perry that much. And then Perry got up to give his, and he just like strolled down memory lane and, and said how great everybody was and the formation of the band. And they're in the back, like, like just full on fucking sobbing because, wow. it, you know, I guess they weren't expecting him to do anything like that. And, you know, it was kind of nice. Wow. No, I haven't seen that. I need you got to, you got to check that out, dude. It was phenomenal. I will. Yeah. He was so great. Um, I have a picture of him sitting on my drums. Oh, oh my wow. God. <laughs> He was so cool. That's fucking yeah, awesome. Great. It's it really is unfortunate because he really does struggle with his voice, and uh, and I wish that that wasn't the case because so many people would love to hear him sing again. Yeah, you know? he does right. kind of. Well, he did the. I thought it was. Um, I know he did some new stuff, and I wasn't. I mean, I, I'll just like I wasn't that big of a, a fan of like the new the new stuff that he did. I don't know why. I don't know if I'm stuck with just the you know sure. classic shit or whatever. But um, when he went out with the Eels, I think it was. Right, and he said, oh, "Wow, that was fucking sick." Right, and that was uh, that was a bit of, uh, a, a bit of, a, t a little bit ago. I mean, how many yeah. years ago was that? Like fifteen years ago? Yeah, I think it was something like that. Yeah, and he yeah. was, um, but that was like, that was fucking incredible. Yeah, I wish he could sing now. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm <laughs> yeah, I thought he was going to do it, man. I really thought that he was going to go out there and support that new album that came out. I guess it was a year ago. Mm -hmm. maybe. No, 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 no. 2019, I think it came out. Oh, and right, I really thought, yeah. you know, with the band that he selected and everything, and uh, yeah, he was going to actually go out there and do it. But I guess, I guess he just didn't have the the the, the gas in his in his tank. Unfortunately. There's a couple guys that uh, I went to see. Like I took my um, uh, again for a birthday, but McCartney wasn't doing whatever. But we went to see Brian Adams, and that guy, uh, we we left. That guy cannot fucking hit a note. Ooh, really? <laughs> really yeah wow. it was a bummer man i was like 
I, you know, I obviously knew the other songs or whatever. So we're like, okay, maybe it's just, I'm like, let's just stay for summer of 69 because there's no way he's going to fuck. Like if your voice is going at least prime it for that one that everybody knows. Yeah. No, he, he like, he couldn't do, he was doing one of those things where like, cause he couldn't sing it. So he'd lean into the audience and they'd sing it. And I'm like, I paid to hear you sing motherfucker. <laughs> like, not these clowns. So, and then we peaced out. He used to sing pretty hard back in the day. In the yeah. 80s. He was singing hard, you know, so maybe he just kind of uh, had his time. Huey Lewis can't sing either. I know. Uh, Holy so shit. Sad, you know, that's a bummer. I love Huey Lewis. Yeah, everybody loves him. Yeah. It's just so sad that he can't he can't perform anymore, you know, and big I just records, found, I man. Just found wow. out, Brian, did you know that um, Keith Jarrett, you know, famous, the famous piano player, Keith yeah. Jarrett, um, jazz, um, he had a stroke. And he can't play two-handed piano anymore. Oh shit! He, he said that he yeah. he probably um he probably won't ever perform live again. He can only really play with his right hand and his left hand. Yeah. Wow! He can, like maybe hold a cup. Just so Jesus, it, it, it sucks. Yeah, sucks. You know, Pat Martino right had a full-blown stroke, relearned guitar. Just wow! Went back and redid it. Just it, it it's yeah. unbelievable. You know, and Keith Jarrett. Not to compare those two guys, by the way. It's okay if he can't play. <laughs> like, no, but like, I know. mean, every, everybody's different, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, no, that's true. God knows what you can do, you know? Right. And, uh, certainly, no, Pat, and Pat was younger than, than Keith, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, these contributions that these people have made for our music culture will always be there. Always, always, always. It'll never right. go away. You know, like Frank. Amazing- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we're and that's we're your so that's your daily job, Joe. I know. <laughs> you know? We're yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> we're so blessed to just keep that legacy going, and and we're we're releasing so many great things uh, from the vault still to this day. And there's no end in sight. We've got a lot of stuff that we can do. So we're so excited that um, you know. That can you give us a little base, hint yeah. about uh, something uh, exciting that's coming up that we can look oh, forward to? Man, well, you know, there's we always are we're always. Uh, we're always thinking about the anniversaries, right? And mm-hmm. so 1971, we've got the anniversary of uh, 200 Motels, which was Frank's movie uh, oh, nice. that uh, Ringo stars in and, yeah. and all that stuff. So that's going to be 50 years old this year. So we're hoping to do something for that. And um, and the Flo and Eddie band, this was the uh, last year that they were together with Flo and Eddie because it ended tragically in December of, 1971 when frank got pushed off the stage by some freaking asshole in the rainbow theater and he uh fell about 12 feet in the orchestra pit and was uh, severely severely damaged and that was the end of that group <laughs> damn yeah, yeah so a lot of anniversaries and uh, yeah yeah we'll we'll see we'll see awesome. we got some things we got some things uh that were you know the uh the soundtrack to the movie the alex winter movie is is uh coming out tomorrow on cd on three cd oh and wow in May, the vinyl version of that is going to be coming out it's really nice a five lp uh set and a two lp set the five lp is going to be available on colored vinyl through certain distributors which i think is zappa.com and two other places uh, you Sweet. discover and um sound of vinyl and then uh it'll be available on black vinyl for the rest of the world and then there's a two lp smaller version of the five lp in case you don't want to spend the bucks for that and that's going to be on crystal clear vinyl and um th- that's really going to be a nice set so we're looking forward to that somebody said didn't patty smith do that i don't know do what they're what? talking about 
Yo, do what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I missed it. <laughs> um, and he also said something about Billy Idol before too. Oh yeah, I played with Billy Idol. Oh, nice. Yes, I, yes, I did. I did. I did a, a string of gigs in Australia because his his main drummer, my friend Brian Tishy, uh, Brian, you know Brian, right? Yeah. Brian Brodor, you know Brian Tishy. Um, yep. All the Brians know each other. Yeah. His his, oh. his wife was having uh, twins, and so he couldn't go on an Australia tour. So I came in and was uh, the relief pitcher. And, nice. Uh, do you want to hear the funniest story about that? Well, there was two huge Please. funny stories, two mm-hmm. major, majorly entertaining funny stories from that. The first one is, is the whole reason why we were going over to Australia, which I think there was like five gigs scheduled. So it was like a week and a half of gigs mm-hmm. is because we were the main event for the Sydney football finals. Now, you know, football like soccer in Australia yeah, wow. is as big as the freaking Super Bowl is here. Right. Mm-hmm. If not bigger. Okay. So we were the halftime show along with other people. And to make a long story short, basically the power went out in the middle <laughs> before we before we even had a chance to start playing. The power went down and uh, and the, the generators didn't come on and didn't work. So all that was live was his vocal mic and my kick drum. Oh, my so God. All you hear is. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> And in a matter of five seconds, I am not kidding you. In a matter of five seconds, we were taken right off, whisked right off. We didn't even get to play. Oh Thank shit! You. Yeah, unbelievable. Wow. And then the 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 second funny story about that uh, is um, during the very last show, uh, he decided that he was going to introduce the band members, which is something that he didn't do in any of the other shows, right? So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we're playing and we're vamping and stuff, and he's like, and on guitar. Steve Stevens, you know, and on bass, Steve McGrath, and on drums. (laughs) (laughs) And he turns around and he looks at Steve McGrath, and Steve goes, (laughs) and he goes, Joe Josephs. That is a true story, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, Joe Josephs. Oh, man. I'm going to so use that from great. now on. Yes, yeah, seriously. Your, your name in my uh, contact list. Oh, Joe, God. can I request a uh, a story um, about one of my favorites from you about the Hollywood actress in the elevator with Nick Rhodes, right? Oh, with Duran God. Duran. If yeah. that's okay to tell. You know? No, of course. That was really funny. Um, so. <laughs> We were staying uh, every time that Duran Duran would come to New York, we would stay at, um, uh, let's see, the Mercer at Prince and Mercer right there, yep, uh, the Mercer. And so um, we were we were coming in from a show and we walk into the lobby and uh, and uh, Nick Rhodes and I got in the elevator and we turn around and the doors are just about to close. And here comes Gwyneth Paltrow and she walks in. And the doors close. And so now I'm in the elevator with Gwyneth and Nick. And she turns around and looks at us and says, you guys must be musicians. (laughs) (laughs) And Nick goes, you must be an actress. (laughs) (laughs) It was so great. Oh, God. Yeah, Mm. it was fun. It was neat to see her uh, that close. 
Yeah. (laughs) And that's before goop, man. She didn't have a candle about her vagina. Nothing. That was true. uh, probably 2000 the year 2000 wow so holy that shit must have been, i guess that might have been mm-hmm. that had to have been before coldplay right or was it uh yeah oh 2000 mm. close i can't remember if she was yeah. with that guy or not at that time i don't i don't think so probably not yeah not at the time <laughs> well why was she in the elevator trying to pick you up joe oh, yeah. <laughs> that, i doubt it yeah where's the rest of that story yeah i know <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah, you're a drummer was, aren't you <laughs> that was all that went, that happened there, but that was fun though yeah that's awesome yeah were there any other like weird backstage that shit that went on like another like somebody you didn't expect to see at one of the concerts actors actresses people that like randomly popped in backstage absolutely um belinda carlisle was no way new- yeah she was at our new york show i uh i got to hang with boy george in london and that was awesome Oh, that's fucking sick. Boy Boy George treated me like he knew me for years. It was nice. Like, he was so warm and friendly and inviting. He was hilarious. That's like, awesome. All I wanted to do was hang out with him. He was just so funny. I just wanted to listen to him talk. It was great. Yeah. It was really great. Um, but yeah, um, what was the name of the band that was uh, you know, I'm never gonna remember the name of this band. Um uh uh, all around the world, people's coming for Oh, me. it's uh, Sugar Ray. Knows. Okay, okay. So wow, Sugar yeah. Ray. This is a fun was, game. Do another one. Good, good uh, job, John. <laughs> they were the like, they were like hot with that song, right? There. Yeah. So we were on a couple of bills, and I remember those guys coming in our dressing room and just being like, "Oh my god!" To Duran Duran, like they were just like, <laughs> "We love you so much. We love you so much," you know. And I was just sitting back, going, "Man, these guys really do have clout. Like they, they really do like." people their peers really respect them Mm -hmm. you know like duran duran really was a respected band still to this day i think you know they they get they get a lot of uh they get a lot of perks for being one of the one of the bands so tunes hold up man Yeah. yeah eddie van halen was cool when i got a chance to meet him that was pretty crazy oh nice i'm i can't believe that he's not here either jesus yeah but um yeah that was crazy um yeah i mean Ugh. meeting frank was really it though john to be honest with you that was the one that like whoo like it happened so early in my life too like it's like you set a goal for yourself mm-hmm. and then it's like at at 23 years old it's like oh okay i met that goal like, i can die now it's all good yeah <laughs> you know? but meeting him was was really it i mean that was like that was a super mind blower for me yeah that's awesome yeah well, thank, oh, seriously, I mean, this is like, I think this is the longest show. We're at an hour and a half. So this is the longest oh, show hey. I've ever done so far. So, uh, you know, thank you both for being on and stuff. And uh, are you going to keep doing the uh, the YouTube page and stuff even after you go back on the road? Absolutely. I'm just going to keep, you know, acquiring stuff. And if I, as long as, you know, it, they're not going to give me any copyright strikes. You know how that shit is. Uh, I'll just, uh, you know, continue putting some stuff up and hope people enjoy it. You know, that's awesome, man. Yeah, dude, Joe, I got some video of you from the Keneally shows that nobody's ever seen. A couple drum go. cams. I got to throw there that your go. way. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Send that shit my yeah. way. John, thank Killing. you so much for having Brian and myself on your show. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime. This has been my total honor. I could seriously, I could sit here and listen to stories all night and ask <laughs> questions. So we're going to have to do a two parter at some point. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks for, thanks for coming on, guys. It's been a pleasure. Oh, actually, do you guys want to plug, Brian, do you want to plug your um, stuff? 
you know, tap into TV where we do a bunch of interesting stuff, including interviews with both Joe and John. And uh, of course, my production company, East Main Media, eastmainmedia.com. Perfect. Thank you so That's much. It. And Joe, one more yeah. time, throw up your YouTube stuff. Yeah, JT Media content. You can see some fun stuff there. And as soon as the world reopens, I'm sure the Zappa Band will get a chance to play. And uh, and the vault will continue putting out uh, releases uh, in the Frank Zappa legacy. So all's well. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. And thanks for everybody who was watching and commenting and uh, got to join in on this. This has been a fucking blast for me. So um, I'll see you guys next week. Peace.